بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أهلا وسهلا ومرحبا بكم Welcome back to Unlocking Hearts I'm your host Molina Irshad Siddiq and this program we're specifically looking at reflections on certain ajza of the Quran and today we are looking at Juz 14 we will select a few verses from this particular juz as this juz contains two surahs in their entirety, Surah Al-Hijr and Surah Al-Nahl. And a common theme that runs through this juz concerns the amazing benefits and blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which in Arabic, when looking at the themes of the Quran, according to Shah Waliullah Ad-Dihlawi in his book, Al-Fawzul Kabir Fi Usul Tafsir, this particular theme consists of about one-fifth or 20% of the Qur'an's content. And this theme reminds us of all the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Arabic, we refer to it as At-Tadhkir bi'ala illah, reminding us of the favors of Allah. As in the verse, فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ Which of the favors of your Lord would the two of you, meaning kind and humankind, deny? But back to the story at in question and that is from Surah Al-Hijr and Surah Al-Nahl wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lists for us many of these great favors and blessings that he bestows upon us with the hope that we are inspired to be grateful and to increase in our gratitude and by increasing in our gratitude to the gift giver we also increase in our belief and conviction of him subhanahu wa ta'ala for example Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Hijr Chapter number 15, verses 2 to 4. Perhaps those who disbelieve will wish that they had been Muslims. Leave them to eat and enjoy and be lulled by hope. They will find out we have never destroyed a town unless it had a set time. So in these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us that the guidance that we receive is the greatest gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who chose to disbelieve are given ample time to seek the truth and embrace it. Allah does not punish them before giving them enough time to follow the truth. But many people, of course, are distracted by the pleasures of this world and they never seek out the purpose of life. Allah then addresses the excuses of these people for rejecting the messengers. And Allah says, again in Surah Al-Hijr verses 6 to 8, And they said, O you who received the message, you are insane. Why do you not bring us the angels if you are telling the truth? We do not send the angels down except with reason and they will not be held back, says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just as the previous messengers were accused of insanity and falsehood and magic, our beloved messenger, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, also faced similar accusations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of his infinite wisdom, sent human messengers to human societies and did not unleash his angels upon us. Allah Ta'ala sent like for like. And this is also a very important demonstration of how the most effective da'wah comes from within a community. When one of the community's members themselves are inspired to formulate a better relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, that person's da'wah will be the most effective in that community because he is from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also promises us in these chapters of the Qur'an that the message of the Qur'an will be preserved. And this promise to preserve the message of Islam is a promise that Allah has fulfilled. Alhamdulillah. Allah says in Surah Al-Hijr again, 
verse number nine this time. Allah says, Inna nahnu nazzalna dhikrah wa inna lahu lahafidhun. Indeed, we, Allah, we send down the reminder and we, Allah, we will protect it. And in case you are wondering why Allah is referring to himself as we, there are many explanations for this, but the two most prominent is that one, we refer to this as the royal pronoun. When a king or leader speaks, he doesn't only speak on his own behalf, he speaks on behalf of the kingdom. So they make a royal declaration and they say, we declare, for example. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of course the king of kings and he speaks on behalf of the entire kingdom. And in that sense, the royal pronoun out of respect is befitting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another explanation of course is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't allow our minds the chance to start creating pictures about Allah. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always, for example, refers to himself as he or I or uh, Allah, you know, only one pronoun or one proper noun, then we may, to some extent, start developing pictures in our minds about who Allah Ta'ala is and what he looks like. So almost as if to throw the mind off because the mind cannot possibly conceptualize Allah in a befitting state because Allah Ta'ala is perfect and we cannot conceptualize perfection. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala distracts our minds by using various types of pronouns instead of the same one repeatedly. Another interesting theme that runs through the next few ajaza, in fact, is the story of Nabi Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, which is repeated in multiple surah with different focal points. In this surah, the focus is on the creation of Adam and how Allah blew the ruh, the soul, into him. Allah says, when I have formed him and I breathed into him of my spirit, fall down prostrating before him. So Allah commands the angels, and among them, by the way, was Iblis, who was not an angel but a jinn, commanding all of them to bow down before Nabi Adam, wasalam, which was a bowing of respect that was valid in previous legislations, previous sacred laws, but is no longer valid since the sacred law of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Adam alayhi salatu wasalam was not praiseworthy because of his physical nature. That was, not, that was not the point of his creation. That was not why Allah ta'ala asked the angels to bow down or commanded them to bow down to Nabi Adam. But it was because of his soul, which is sacred and pure. A soul that carries the burden of responsibility. A soul that can freely think for himself or herself. This shows the value of the soul over the body, right? And we should value our souls over our bodies as well. Iblis, unfortunately, only looked at the exterior and he looked at the makeup and he said, you know what? This being is made up of clay, sand and water, whereas I'm made up of fire. So in his mind, he came to a conclusion that fire is in fact better than sand, better than earth, better than water, because it's fire. That was his own inclination and therefore refused to bow down. This makes Iblis somewhat of the first racist, judging another by his skin and not the purity of his soul. And this sickness was the first sickness that sort of plagued us and it continued to do so throughout time up until this very day of ours. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove all sorts of racism and sexism and all sorts of uh, unfair discrimination and that he bring justice to this world as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has requested of it. Adam alayhi salatu wasalam was a, 
a being new to the angels because unlike the jinn, they were created of a different makeup. But like the jinn, they also had the, the free will that the jinn had, which means that they could choose between good and bad, right and wrong, etc. As the previous surah showed us, Satan will inform his followers that they are to blame for listening to him. In this surah, we see that Allah informed Satan that over my servants, says Allah, you have no authority except for the sinners who follow you. And that again is in Surah Al-Hijr, verse number 42. Now we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is informing Satan that while he has some power, if we can call it that, at the end of the day, it is up to the servants, that's us, to decide whether to follow him or not. And only those who are sinful will decide to follow him. The story of Adam والسلام, is followed by a reminder that Allah is most merciful, but also that he has the most severe punishment. This is similar to the previous surah in which Allah Ta'ala promised to increase the blessings of those who show gratitude and to punish the ungrateful. Inform my servants that I am the forgiver, the merciful, and that my punishment is the most painful punishment. And in this ayah, we see so many of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming forth. This ayah is in Surah Al-Hijr, verse number 49 to 50, where Allah says, ibadi, Inform my servants, anni that I, ana al-ghafurur rahim, I am the forgiver, I am the merciful. Wa anna adabi, and that my punishment, huwa al-adabu al-alim, it, it. You know, that over there. So Allah calls himself the forgiver, the merciful. But he doesn't call himself the punisher. He says that punishment over there is a painful punishment. And even in this very serious and stern statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, giving us an idea of both his mercy as well as his punishment, even within this statement, there's an extra degree of mercy. And that's the ultimate gift that Allah ta'ala gives us with gifts us with because none of us will enter into Jannah except through the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not your good deeds alone. And this is something that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa made very clear to this ummah. So this Ramadan, turn to Allah ta'ala not because you deserve his forgiveness, but rather because Allah ta'ala is most merciful and he will give you and grant you forgiveness and mercy and salvation from the fire whether you deserve it or not. That is the quality that Allah Ta'ala had ordained for himself, had chosen for himself. Therefore, we appeal to Allah Ta'ala for that mercy that he promises us. The bulk of this surah again focuses on the stories of the perished nations, the nations that had been destroyed before. This is a theme that runs through multiple surahs in the Quran. In fact, it is another theme all of itself, in and of itself, which is called Tadkir bi ayyamillah, reminders of the days of Allah. Because it's a theme that reminds us of a time when Allah Ta'ala's power was very manifest on this earth. The time of the prophets and messengers, alayhim salatu wassalam. Towards the end of, su- of this particular surah, Allah Ta'ala again reminds us of the greatness of the Qur'an. This time singling out Surah Al-Fatiha for its greatness, where Allah says, we have given you seven oft-repeated verses and the grand Qur'an. Now the seven oft-repeated verses are in fact Surah Al-Fatiha that we repeat in every unit of prayer multiple times a day 
to be exact, 17 fard rak'at every single day. The surah ends with comfort for the Prophet ﷺ when Allah says, We are aware that your heart is strained by what they say. So glorify the praise of your Lord and be among those who bow down and worship your Lord in order to attain certainty. And this instruction we should all remind ourselves of during days and times in our lives when we face great difficulty and when our hearts become strained by what others may be saying about us. And perhaps, perchance, inshallah, Allah will cause that same tranquility and strength to descend upon us as he did with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The next surah is Surah Al-Nahl, named after the bee. The bee and the honey that it produces are among the many great favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listed in this surah. The message of this surah is clear. Allah ta'ala has blessed us with more than we can ever imagine and we must be grateful for it. Surah Al-Hijr reminds us of what happens to those who are ungrateful, while Surah Al-Nahl lists for us dozens of reasons for why we should be grateful to Allah. The surah begins with a beautiful list of many blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we take for granted, followed by the powerful reminder, and if you tried to enumerate the favors of Allah, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ Then, لَا تُحْسُوهَا You will never be able to count them. You will never be able to put a value to even one of them. God is forgiving and merciful. And that a very, very important ayah is in Surah An-Nahl, verse number 18. This surah does not require a lot of explanation. It is sufficient to recite the verses, read their translations, reflect on them, and express gratitude. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that the surah doesn't contain any serious information or new knowledge, but this is simply stating that for you to gain benefit from the surah, from understanding the surah, from listening to the surah, you need only to reflect on its basic translation. To assist with this, there are some powerful passages that you could refer to in this amazing surah of the Qur'an, Surah An-Nahl, and I recommend that you try to sit down in a quiet spot and read to yourself verses 3 to 14 of Surah An-Nahl, that's the 16th surah in the Qur'an, so the reference would be 16, verse 3 to 14. And then the passages in Surah An-Nahl as well. Again, chapter number 16, verses 69. Sorry, verses 66 to 69, inshallah. And just reflect deeply on the meanings contained therein. And try and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to assist you with increasing in your gratitude for the various favors that Allah ta'ala mentions there. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen, ya Rabbal Alameen. Ya Allah, we make dua to you. Please accept our Ramadan, ya Rabbal Alameen. Ya Allah, you are the maker of everything. You are the knower of everything. You are the yearer of our supplication. Our dua to you on this, na- on this day and on this night, ya Rabb, is that you accept every dua that we make from the very beginning of Ramadan till the very end and beyond. Ya Allah, ya Arhamar Rahimeen. Accept the du'as we make for your sake and forgive us for anything we may have done that is not for your sake. Wasallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin in Nabiyyil Ummi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa salam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.